0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thief ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is FinCider Radio, part of the and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts, Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kanata. I'm joined by Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts, as always. And on this special episode of Finsider Radio, we are going to discuss the recent signings for the Miami Dolphins from the AAF, the Alliance of American Football. We're specifically going to target the players uh, from the San Antonio Commanders. And that's because we have joining us tonight for this special episode is Cole Thompson, from the AAF, from the San Antonio Commanders. He was the in-house team reporter throughout this season, and he has the inside scoop on all of these players and um, can really give us some good insight as to who the Dolphins are getting and if they really stand a realistic chance to make this roster and make an impact in the NFL. Cole, thank you for joining us here on Finsider Radio. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Cole, Let's before we get into these players, um, let's just talk about the AAF and the final days and so forth I'm not going to go into the uh, the details of it and talk about the uh, nitty-gritty stuff, but I do just want to kind of touch on one fact here, and these players took a chance on the AAF. You took a chance on the AAF. Everyone who worked for the AAF took a chance on them, and, and we hate to see you and others lose their jobs, and I don't want to minimize the fact that you and others lost their jobs, right, because it's it hurts for everybody. The difference is, though, you know, you can go out and others can go out. They have this skill set to go out and interview for other jobs and have a chance to land on their feet in the near future for these players. All they really know is football and that's their primary skill set. So for them to have this end right in the blink of an eye, you know, there's not many options for them. They can go to the CFL if there's interest. They can go overseas if there's interest. They can look at the XFL next year if there's interest. And then the NFL, if they come calling. So just kind of give us an idea of, you know, what's it like for these players? What did you see in them this last, these last few days? And, you know, how are they really handling this whole thing? You
2: know, I've spoken to a lot of different players at this point, just trying to get a basis of what they believe is going to happen and what it going to be the next step for them moving uh, next step for them moving forward. And the big thing with it is, you know, a lot of these guys, they did take their final snap on, whatever day their practice was, whether that be Monday or Tuesday, or whether they didn't have a practice and their final snap was on Sunday night. I mean, there is a legitimate chance that a lot of these guys will not get signed to NFL rosters at the moment. But with that in mind, there was that sense going in when they took the risk, you know, we did, the Alliance offered every player a three-year contract with a buyout clause and an opt-in clause, which allowed them to, if they were picked up by an NFL team, they were highly encouraged to sign with that NFL team that season and then if they were not able to make the active 53-man roster or practice squad they actually would sign back in to the team they were allocated to in originally so at the time even though most of these players maybe weren't going to ever make it back to the NFL this was a league that allowed them to continue their playing career maybe further their knowledge of the game and then eventually be able to learn how to become a better coach become a better uh become a better person overall and, and and mainly just make some money in the field that they probably know better than anyone else because they've donated their life to it. But at the end of the day, there is a little bit of serendipity for some of these players. At the moment, I believe if I've done my math correctly, 39 players from the Alliance of American Football have signed contracts, and there are about 15 to 17 more guys I have spoken to that are going to be in workouts this upcoming week and next week. After this first phase, I do believe we will see it slow down with the draft coming up but then afterwards as rosters need to fill up to 90 man rosters you could see several more of these guys end up making it so i do believe in the end we will see about 50 players from all eight teams being represented in the first year past the alliance uh, actually on nfl rosters for preseason spots hoping for a chance to make the actual active, active roster
0: And at the end of the day, Cole, that's kind of the goal of the AAF, right? Get these guys exposure, get them back into the NFL, and give them another chance. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And I do think that there are some players who have really benefited from this, including several we're going to talk about tonight. One that I'm not sure we will get enough time to get into, but I would like to mention him real fast. That's Reese Horn, the wide receiver that was signed today uh, by the Memphis Express. This is a guy whose story really is what the AAF was all about. You know, He grew up in Carmel, Indiana. Uh, didn't really have that much of a chance coming from a small school at the University of Indianapolis. He had some time to actually try uh, with, the, uh, with the Indianapolis Colts when he graduated college back in 2016. Uh, he also spent a little bit of time with the Tennessee Titans, then went overseas to Austria to go play his football uh, in the same type of league that Moritz Boringer, if you guys remember that name, who was drafted in the sixth round by the Minnesota Vikings, similar type of league just to continue his playing career. Then goes back to the uh, goes back to the AAF, collects uh, 429 pass, uh, passing yards, uh, averaging 15.3 yards per catch and, t- uh, and 28 receptions. He's now has a chance to actually make an active roster. That's what this league was all about, and I can guarantee you, guys like him and guys like maybe a few others we're going to mention tonight, if there was no alliance, their football careers are done. And now they have a chance to expand it, even if it is just for several more months.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's what's so frustrating, Cole, for a lot of people, a lot of fans of football in general, is that they see all these players coming to the NFL and they're saying, "Okay, the AAF was working and it has worked. And it's just unfortunate that the top of the league couldn't figure things out to keep it going for at least another year or two. And then from there, who knows what it could have been. But, you know, here we are. We can't dwell on the past and these guys are getting their chances. And one guy who is getting another chance is J. Ron Elliott. I think that's the guy right now a lot of Dolphins fans are excited about. There was stiff competition for him. The Raiders, Cardinals, Ravens were also interested in him. Uh, Untrapped a free agent in 2014, joined the Packers, appeared in 38 games in three seasons, recording 47 tackles with four sacks, one interception, one forced fumble, and one fumble recovery. Spent time with the Cowboys and spent a short stint with the Saints. He is the all-time sacks leader in AF, AF, AAF history, so that's pretty impressive, and um You know, now he's going to join the Dolphins as a defensive end linebacker type hybrid thing. You saw him up close and personable person this year. What kind of player are the Dolphins getting in J. Ron Elliott?
2: Yeah, I actually had a conversation with one of my friends who works in a scouting department for another undisclosed NFL team. And he asked me who was my pick to be the first player actually taken to an active NFL roster from us. And, And J. Ron was my pick because of this guy. Literally, when you line him up overpowered every single offensive lineman and I do realize the offensive lineman play in the AAF was below average on a multiple level of teams but this is a premier pass rusher in the AAF and this is a guy who you want to see on a second and third down formation going up against a pass heavy offense because he's going to be able to create disruption in the backfield I finished the year with 7.5 sacks as you mentioned but also was fourth in the league with quarterback hits, with 13 total quarterback hits on the play. play. He was a major run stopper, did an excellent job playing that 3-4 outside linebacker position, which I have heard that they could be running a little bit of that in Miami this upcoming season. So with that in mind, he also can play off the edge. I do think that he has had a lot of experience with the more stand-up position, playing both in Green Bay and with San Antonio, where he found most of his success. So I am interested to see where his role will be. But if you're looking for more of a Leo-type uh, pass rusher, guy who's going to be playing in that stand-up position, uh, not with his hand in the dirt all the time, maybe a Jadavian Clowney type, um, also possibly a uh, a big Beasley type of guy, this is a guy that could really start making some names for himself. And, and with the news of Cam Wake possibly being someone um, to watch, you know, watch what's going to happen to him, you know, the biggest thing is this is a guy who when you come in if he can match even close to that production, it's a very solid pick, especially if the Dolphins are looking to tank this season and go ahead and get another defensive end to pair with either Elliott or Charles Harris or whoever you want to pair with for the long-term future.
3: Cole, one guy I want to talk about is Kenneth Farrow. We know the Miami Dolphins don't quite have a need at running back. You know, they got Kenyon Drake, they got Kalen Balage, they got these decent running backs, but now they're bringing in a guy who has familiarity with Chad O'Shea with the New England coaching staff. You tweeted out earlier today, you know, he had 142 yards. It was a AAF single game record. So he has potential. If any coaching staff knows this type of player, it's the guys here in Miami. So what type of player do you see Kenneth Farrow? And will he have an impact on the Dolphins in 2019?
2: I do think he can have an impact on the Dolphins. Listen, the biggest thing right now that I think that the Dolphins need is more of a guy who can get yards after contact uh, with pure power. And Farrow actually did that. I believe if I if my numbers are correct. Uh, he had seven uh, seven plays where he had to be brought down on the third uh, third tackle uh, uh, third attempt to tackle on the run. Uh, his ability to create yards after the catch uh, yards after the catch and also yards after initial contact is what's going to get him a, a second chance to lead. But the biggest thing that he told me when we were working together in San Antonio uh, um, was the fact that he injured himself twice before the start of. Week four, when he was in his rookie season back in Los Angeles uh, with the Chargers, he was in a car accident back in week two, and in week one he actually um, separated his collarbone and he had two, multiple surgeries for that. Now that he's fully healthy, this is a guy who's going to be able to be that short yardage back. He only averaged three point five yards per run, but he was able to make mo- the most of his ability after um, after the run. He finished third overall in rushing yards, actually tied for second with De'arnest Johnson who still has not been signed and just finished a couple, uh, maybe I, I believe it was only um, only about 70 yards short of uh, Jarrell Presley, um, who is also not signed at the moment. But his ability to be able to be a pass-catching back, kind of similar to what Kenyon Drake is, but more so a, a short yardage pass-catching back, he's not going to be a guy who gets you a lot of yardage after the play, but he is going to be a guy who you can use on that third-down situation, dump it off and get play, plays going. I think because of his relationship with Brian Flores and, Ch- and uh, Chris O'Shea, as you mentioned, is going to earn him a chance to really make a, make, so to make a splash in uh, training camp and also in the preseason, probably finding a, finding a way to earn a roster spot if the Dolphins decide to keep three or even four running backs.
1: Cole, this is a Ron Sutton here, and I appreciate you stopping in, sharing some insight for our new acquisitions. I want to focus on Joey Embu, and the reason being, from a schematic standpoint, the Dolphins are going to go to a lot more three defensive linemen formations next year if we're going to assume that Flores is installing a similar defense to what we saw in New England. So, in my opinion, one of the vulnerable areas of that is at that 0-1 and technique, and I want to know, you know, I'm looking back. At a quote from Lance Zerline, NFL.com, back in 2015, where he quotes, Embu's football character in size, give him a shot to make an NFL team. Now, I'm assuming he's playing still in the 320 range, but what can you speak to the football character aspect of that quote?
2: Yeah, he's serving a lot. I definitely think so. You know, he did a fantastic job as a run, stop, uh, run stopper, but he, what the main thing he was known for was his ability to pressure the quarterback. When you watched him play, uh, and you checked out his numbers overall. I mean, this guy—this was a guy who was moving at 320 and getting back to the quarterback. I mean, if you look at his quarterback hits, he had five quarterback hits. Uh, he also had 19 total pressures, two total sacks. And the number on the website that we're seeing is only three tackles. I believe it was actually more around seven, but they only graded him out for three solo tackles. So This was a guy making consistent plays up the middle. He did a fantastic job stuffing the run. This is a guy that maybe you're going to use in a uh, depth piece instead of actually looking at as to be a potential maybe starter, maybe as a uh, maybe as a secondary option. This is a depth guy
0: who, when called upon, will make an impact for this defense. Cole, let's talk about the last player there, Tyrone Holmes, the outside linebacker, might be playing a few different positions on the Dolphins defense. Just give us a rundown of Tyrone and what he could bring to the Dolphins.
2: Yeah, when you talk about Tyrone Holmes, you have to remember that this guy did have a lot of promise and was one of the higher profile guys coming from the FCS level going into the draft in 2016. This was the FCS Defensive Player of the Year back in 2015 who just bounced around a little too much in uh, in between the NFL level and then coming to the Commanders. But now having a little more experience in that starting role that he hasn't really seen since being brought onto the Cleveland Browns squad uh, for the very end of the 2017 season, which is when really he was when he was the only time really active because of the rest of the time in Cleveland, he was on the practice squad and he's only been on a practice squad. He's made the most of his time. When you look at the numbers, he may not have been the top overall outside linebacker, but he definitely did make a pro- make a promise. He only had two sacks, but he also did have eight quarterback hits. So he was consistently getting pressure to the quarterback and the biggest one of all, Four total pass deflections, so he does have the ability to create havoc and disrupt, the, and disrupt the passer, both from the line of scrimmage and also in coverage. Of the cover outside linebackers, Holmes and, Larkin, and Austin Larkin were probably the two best who had the most ability to play in that transitional mode, uh, going up against those tight ends, maybe the running back out of the backfield, so he can play a little bit in coverage. This is probably the chess piece of Flores' defense. He's going to be a guy who they check out in spring training and move around a ton, try to figure out where he best fits as a situational pass rusher, maybe as that outside linebacker mixed with a defensive and a hybrid style, maybe just a clean run stopper. He's a guy who has, I think, the highest potential of playing multiple roles in a Flores defense, and whatever role works best for him, he's going to make the most of it.
3: Cole, last player, San Antonio player that you, you know, interacted with, tackled Jared Jones-Smith. How do you see him fitting in? Do you think he makes an NFL roster? We know the Miami Dolphins have a huge need at right tackle. You know, maybe they move Jesse Davis out there, maybe not, but they'd have a need on the interior side of the offensive line. How do you see Jared Jones-Smith fitting on the Miami Dolphins roster?
2: Well, I will say, although Logan Woodside did get uh – did take a ton of sacks. I believe he actually was the second most sacked. quarterback. Now, unfortunately it is a problem. He was the most sacked quarterback in the Alliance. Jared Jones Smith actually only allowed two total sacks on the year. So the pressure really wasn't coming from his side. While I do think that he did find great success in the NF, uh, in the AAF as a left tackle, his best position is going to be on the right side of the ball. He was very detrimental in helping, in the game against Birmingham getting um, getting Kenneth Farrell to that 142-yard marker. If you go back and watch his film, him as well as probably um, Cyril Richardson and um, and Fred Laina were probably the three most influential players on that offensive line, really setting up the blocks to get Farrell as many touches as possible and break free on the outside. So I do think He fits more as a run blocker than a pass protector, and this is a guy who, if he does make the active roster, is going to be a swing tackle. He's not going to be a guy who I think is going to make an immediate impact as a starter, but he does have some NFL training camp experience, and the biggest thing about him that's a little different than a lot of these other guys, he was in the 2018 NFL draft class just a year removed from college when he was joining the AAF, one of the younger players on that roster. So there's plenty of time for him to actually still kind of figure it out. Uh, I could see a similar role that Cameron Fleming plays with the Dallas Cowboys. That swing tackle guy, you're probably not going to start him, but if you had to start him, you could have worse options. There's a lot of promise in a guy like Joan Smith where these older guys who were trying to make the active roster for NFL teams or had that last shot probably were going to stay in the alliance. A guy like Joan Smith probably was one of the guys who you knew if he could find success and he found a lot of success in the run and even some in the pass protection to where he was going to make an NFL roster and with the way that this NFL draft class is coming out with offensive tackles if the Dolphins wait until round two or even around three to draft their guy maybe a guy like Yandy Kajus out of uh, West Virginia he could be a perfect swing tackle guy who could maybe be that guy if injuries, if injuries come into play. And even if a guy like Kajus is struggling and, and full tank mode is on, you have a guy like Jones Smith come in and, and probably earn himself another contract after the season.
0: Cole Thompson here from the AAF, formerly the AAF, the in-house team reporter for the San Antonio Commanders. Cole, thank you for giving us that insight on all these players that are coming to the Dolphins from San Antonio We're looking forward to seeing what they can do with, uh, uh, you know, kind of a few weeks under their belt here and and playing against some good competition. Again, we're sorry what happened to you and to all the players. And uh, we wish you the best of luck. I know you got some things in the works that we hopefully will come to fruition for you. And uh, thank you for coming on to Finsider Radio and joining us.
2: Yeah, no problem, guys. You guys take care and uh, make sure you take care of my five guys. They are fantastic players, and I promise you, you guys will not be disappointed with the outlook and the promise and the potential they have.
0: All right, Cole. Thank Thanks you very Cole. much. Have a great night. You guys too. All right. Cole Thompson from the San Antonio Commanders. I hate saying formerly San Antonio. Because that's just not good energy. But it is what it is. And, and Cole's been doing a great job handling it, doing a great job reporting on all the goings. And, um, you know, people want to know what's happened to the AAF, what went on in the last few days. It's going to come out. Give it some time. Um, I know there are a few people in the works talking to major outlets to give the inside scoop on it. And uh, we're just going to have to wait for it to come out, but it will come out. Just stay tight if you want to know all the inside drama and the scoop and everything else. Really quick thoughts, guys, before we wrap up the show. I mean, depth signings, yes, but the Dolphins are a very young team and these guys have a legitimate shot to make the roster this year. House.
3: Yeah, it's the biggest thing. I mean, we saw all season, these Dolphins, uh, you know, this new regime going out there and signing signing these low-risk, high-reward players. You know, they brought in Eric Rowe. They brought in a few other players. They brought in these guys who have potential to make an impact. That's all they're doing here. They got a huge, huge gap. I mean, I think they were, what, they had 67 people maybe under roster or something like that, somewhere between 60 and 70. They have a lot of players that they can sign. They have, You're not really missing out if you go out there and try to find an acorn. Maybe you get a good player, maybe you don't, but you're really not investing much. I like the way they're starting to add some talent.
1: Well, I think last episode we had, what, 32 roster spots left? So yeah. I, I think the fact that we got J. Ron Elliott is probably the uh, the prize there, you know, at, at a severe position of need and arguably the, be- the best pass rusher that the AAF had to offer. So we'll um, give these guys an opportunity, and hopefully they make the most of it uh, when they're presented with it.
0: We'll see what happens. A long way to go. The draft is coming up. We're going to be back with you later this week with our first draft episode. We're going to be coming out with you with four or five episodes leading up to the draft. We're going to break the positions up into episodes and really just get down to it and really give you a nice breakdown of everyone the Dolphins are targeting and who may be on their list and all the strengths and weaknesses and everything else. Special guests we're bringing on the show. Stay tuned. One is coming later this week, two or three next week, and then two the week of the draft as well. That's going to do it for us here on Finsider Radio on this bonus special episode for Joshua Houts and Aaron Sutton. I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation
4: Network. Miami has the Dolphins. Miami has a Dolphin, the greatest football team. We drink the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Death River, Miami Dolphins.